This episode of the High Impact Man podcast, we bring to you Chris Burkett. He is F3 Misfire. He's a doctor of history and politics teaching at Ashland University. He is one of the guys featured uh, uh, in the latest, one of the latest F3 Nation newsletters uh, talking about his F3 journey being about 100 pounds overweight. He's already lost 60 of those pounds. He credits F3 with saving his life. He kept coming back despite being uh, a guy that was really overweight and struggling through the workouts, but he stuck with it, and it's a fellowship that really kept him coming back. That and, man, you're going to learn a lot about the founding of our country, the the founding fathers, trips to Gettysburg, trips to Independence Hall, trips to the Town Tavern in Philadelphia, and why it's important for us as men to understand the history of our country, including what led up to, to the Civil War. And you're going to hear a little about de Tocqueville and his trip over here to America. If you don't know that guy, look him up. But anyway, sit back and enjoy this uh, episode with Misfire. Welcome to the High Impact Man podcast. High impact men from across the nation sharing their stories of inspiration, encouragement, and hope. Gosh, seek transformational relationships. Now, what you're hearing from the culture is not right. Pick up the six, you know what I mean? But you never know who your six sometimes is. Stop being less. To help others become the virtuous leaders they are called to be and that our nation desperately needs. Smoke on the water. Or the smoke gets in your eyes. Or the smoke gets in your eyes. Yeah. yeah. Hey, y'all. This is uh, <laughs> Nevin Gorky, your host of the High Impact Man podcast, known as DFib in the gloom to my F3 friends. Uh, the smoke is significant. We we're recording this on June 7th, 7th June 7th, day after D Day, uh, the anniversary of D Day. And uh, the smoke from Canada is covering Pennsylvania, man. It's a, It was truly gloomy in the gloom. It was gloomy, and it got gloomier as the day went on. Yeah, yeah, and it's getting and it's not going away soon. I'll be here for a couple of days. Yeah, it's just been this like yellow haze and like the mountain in front of my place across the river just like slowly disappeared and by late afternoon like even the woods behind my house like you could like yeah, was kind of yeah. starting to disappear a little bit. So hopefully yeah. it moves out soon. Not stopping us from working out in the morning though. Yeah. Definitely by the time this airs on what should be the 19th of this month. Mm-hmm. Hopefully it's gone by then. Yeah, I hope so. Yeah, I hope so because <laughs> Um, I haven't really felt any effects yet, but I haven't really gone for a, like a hard run. We'll find out tomorrow morning. Yeah. Because this week is Nantan Week Nantan in the Susquehanna Valley. Nantan Week 2023 for yeah. S3 Susquehanna Valley. Yeah. That's, nobody else celebrates it. It's kind of like Festivus, sort of. <laughs> well, anyway, uh, we talked about Nantan Week before, but this is day three of Nantan Week. So yeah. we're trying to set records for attendance. It's getting a little difficult with the... The smoke, some because some guys it scared some guys away so far, but uh, a couple guys with asthma and breathing problems. So, yeah, uh, yeah, they probably shouldn't show up if they yeah. can't breathe. But we guys got we got streakers. We got they're streakers. hitting every beat down this week, and the yeah. uh, numbers are high so far. Yeah, hopefully yeah. It continues. Yeah, it was a good beat down this morning. Yeah, dial up queued this morning. It was great. So anyway, um, as I said, I'm your host. You know, dial up. He's next to me. My co-host Troy Klinger, otherwise known as Dial Up, and today's guest is Chris Burkett. He is. Uh, F3 Misfire from Ashland, Ohio. However, he's visiting relatives down in South Carolina uh, near Hilton Head. So, uh, Misfire, welcome to the podcast. Hey, thank you guys very much for having me. I'm, I'm, I'm really happy to be here. Yeah, well, we're honored, man. I read your essay in uh, the F3 Nation uh, newsletter. And, uh, you know, I love that they're doing that because, man, I just picked these guys out of the essay. It's like, whoop, whoop, just, let's just interview them. <laughs> 
you know, because they could tell a little <laughs> bit more of their story. Because an essay is obviously you don't have room to say everything. So anyway, we're going to learn a lot more about Misfire today, and he's going to hopefully uh, give you guys some encouragement and inspiration out there. Because part of his essay is he's lost sixty pounds. You said in the essay, right, Misfire? That's right, sixty and, and counting. I don't want to lose. I don't want to get too. Uh slender you know <laughs> <laughs> right don't overdo it man you know <laughs> yeah <laughs> yeah 60 pounds and counting so uh anyway uh let's let's start with how you got involved with f3 and you, know, you could tell your story about how you got involved who eh'd you how'd you get your name yeah yeah well i mean can i just say first of all how uh honored and humbled i am to be here and especially because i know there are there are a lot of guys out there who are going to have similar types of stories about Mm-hmm. what it took to get going and, and how they ended up going and, and, and what it kept them coming back, what kept them coming back. But I, uh, in the essay you were referring to, I, it all came right from the heart. Uh, uh, I'm so grateful to the guys of, of F3 Ashland for everything they've done to keep me coming back and motivating me. And I was, um, as I said in the essay, I had been, uh, been pushed to join. There's a, there's a, a guy I teach with at, uh, at Ashland University. Uh, who had been trying to headlock me for probably six months and uh, just, you know, relentless every day. Would have loved to have seen you this morning. You know, I was like, no, I'm too busy. But you know what? I kept saying too busy, too busy, too busy. And I wrote this in the essay, but I think honestly it was um, more of a a kind of fear on my part that I was going to, first of all, embarrass myself in front of others because I was so out of shape. I was, I was so, I mean, really bad shape. Um, but, I, but I, at the same time, I also I didn't quite know what F3 workouts were like. And I envisioned lots of guys who were top-notch athletes running, you know, ahead of me by miles. And here I am holding everybody up. I didn't want to be the guy who was holding everybody back. And so when I finally went, I can tell that story how I actually ended up going, if you'd like. But uh, when I finally went, I found that it was totally different than, than what I had in my mind, um, mm-hmm. what I was envisioning in my mind. It's been nothing but supportive. and and um, just, I mean, again, it's, it really has saved my life, I think. Um, I can't know that with any certainty, but I was, I was heading there much faster than I, than I should have been. I know last year when I started, and I am in much better shape this year, I can tell you, not just physically, but, but spiritually and, and mentally and emotionally as well. So it's been a real life changer for me. Yeah, that's, that's awesome, great. man. Um, we're going we're gonna... to... Uh, get back into your F3 story a little bit more uh, later on, but uh, uh, I think I read that you were uh, in the emergency room because of high blood pressure uh, before you joined yeah. F3, right? Yeah. So uh, my, my buddy Plato, uh, F3 Ashland, had been again, trying to headlock me for, for six months, and um, I finally ended up going to uh, like a rapid care place. I, I didn't have a doctor, by the way. I'm 50, I was 52 last year. And I was I'm the sort of guy who thought, I don't need a doctor, right? Mm-hmm. And so I had not seen a doctor, even though everybody says, you know, 45, 50, you need to start going to see a doctor. I put it off and put it off and put it off. So I went to a rapid care place because I thought I had a, a kidney infection. And uh, I mean, it was kind of really painful and kind of nasty. So I went in and they took my blood pressure immediately. And the nurse practitioner said, you need to go to the emergency room right now, right now. Because my blood pressure, I think it was 196 over 128 or 129 or something like that. Yeah. yeah. Um, and, of course, I, I, I had no idea. I didn't know my blood pressure was high. And so I went to the emergency room, and they immediately um, set me up with a, a, doc, a physician, a doctor. And so I went 
Um, it turns out that the, um, um, the, the, the kidney stuff and all, I won't get into all the details, but the kidney problems and the health and the blood pressure and was having headaches and just tired all day. It was all related, right? Yeah. It's all related. And it was because I was so out of shape. Um, and I finally then went to, uh, my doctor, uh, a week later, he got me in pretty quickly because this is pretty, pretty bad situation. And, um, great guy. He's in our F3 group. His name's Hollywood, uh, Dr. Boyd. Mm-hmm. And so I, I go to see him and, and he's, he pretty much tells me, you know, doctors are usually pretty nice about things. Uh, he didn't want to tell me that if I didn't do something, I was going to die. And I think they're not, they're probably not allowed to say that, but he made it clear to me that if I didn't change, I was, I was, I was not long for the earth. So, um, he said, Hey, there's this workout group in, in Ashland. You may have heard of it. It's for guys. And there are a lot of guys your age F3. And I said, Oh really? Well, this guy at work's been <laughs> pushing me for months and bugging me about this for months. And, and my doctor said, well, I do it. So yeah. maybe you should show up. And I, and that was on a Tuesday. I'll never forget. It was on a Tuesday. And I went that Saturday finally. And, um, I'll never, I, I remember my first workout very well. Um, the queue had us in groups of three, and one, one of us was flipping a tire around a track, a high school track. The other was holding a cinder block over our head, and the other would run a lap, and then you would rotate. Mm-hmm. And that's all we did for 45 minutes. But we started at 5.15. It's dark. It's February. And it finally started to get light uh, toward the end of the workout. And I looked over, and I, had, I didn't even realize it, but my doctor was in my group. <laughs> oh, with me the whole time and I was like hey it's, it's you Dr. Boyd and yeah. uh, maybe I better start working a little bit harder so but that impressed me I mean that impressed me the dedication that he had and yeah. I think he knew he needed to be there uh, part, I don't know if this is true or not but I like to think this um, he's such a good guy I think he went there uh, just to make sure that, that if I was there he could he could be there to help me along and he was great and I fell in love with the guys I'm not kidding that very first workout I knew this was something I wanted to keep coming back to do yeah, it so. took me a while to become a regular for various reasons, but but I knew I, this was something totally unique and something I'd never seen before, and, and I was hooked. So sweet, you know. I, I dial up and I both work at a medical center, and I um, uh, he's in IT, and I I practice in in uh, as a physician assistant in cardiac surgery. But talking to other other doctors and stuff, I'm starting to tell them about you know I tell everybody I can about F three, but um, I I think we should as healthcare providers, I think we should be prescribing F3 to guys for, yeah. for not just for the physical and uh, benefits and the, the, you know, the medical benefits from a physical standpoint, but from the mental health standpoint too. And, yep. you know, I really think we should be doing that. And uh, so uh, I think there's probably opportunity there. Uh, and for all you physicians out there listening to this, don't hesitate to prescribe, just write it on your prescription pad. <laughs> it's all electronic anymore, but write it on there and say F3, you know, in the schedule. And because uh, yeah. there's, we had a lot of guests, haven't we on the show that have like, you know, gone off their blood pressure medicines yeah. and, uh, anti-depression <clears throat> medicines, you know, all that kind of stuff. Diabetes, so, yeah. Like, you know, adult onset diabetes is you know, right. cleared diabetes. out and, yep. uh, yeah, you're right. Blood pressure's cleared up. That's just, it's, yeah, it's amazing. Yeah. 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 So yeah, I think, I think we should just one be dose, one dose a day, five thirty AM. Right. Yeah. Well, for us it'd be different times, obviously, but yeah, yeah, yeah it's a, that's fantastic. It's, yeah, it, and and it would be it would be more beneficial than giving out medicine. You know, I mean, it's medicine is necessary yeah. uh, in certain situations, obviously, but it'd be better to 
prescribed F3 than giving out sticking medicine, right? Drug companies aren't going to like you. We're not going to get any sponsors from drug companies no, we're after not. this episode. We're not get any <laughs> Maybe like Reebok or somebody could. Yeah. Uh, Reebok. I don't know why that popped in my head. Yeah, the, well, it's <laughs> the, era, the era Under you, Armour, how the era that? you grew up in. <laughs> At least you didn't say like kangaroos, Converse, or, or uh, British Knights, or something like that. <laughs> Do you remember those shoes? But no, uh, I don't remember British Knights. But yeah, well, all right. Well, uh, so Miss Far, tell us. Uh, well, t- tell us how you got your name. We didn't hear. I mean, I read it in the bio oh. you sent us, but you got to tell the crowd how you got this name. All right. Yeah. Well, so I. Um, uh, again, I teach at uh, Ashland University. I'm the faculty advisor for what's known as the Second Amendment slash Marksmanship Club. So one of the things I get to do is introduce students uh, to shooting. A lot of them uh, have not been involved in the shooting sports before, so I get to take them out and introduce them to this. And we also have some who have done this in the past. So um, I was telling the, the, the group in the COT at the end what I do, a little bit about myself. And, and so they came up with the name Misfire. Uh, for me, which was, I, I thought, pretty appropriate at the time. But I, again, I, maybe this isn't appropriate to say, uh, DFib. I mentioned this in my. Nah, go ahead. Say it. We can only it out. <laughs> <laughs> So that's how I originally got my name. But, but it's, uh, the guys, uh, in my, in my packs, they, they've come to see this, the, the, the really appropriate nature of my name is that, I mean, I'm 50 some years old. About 15, 20 minutes into every workout, you know, you're bending your body and, and, right, and gases start to yeah. escape, per- you know, percolate. Yeah, percolate a little bit. Yeah. So, I mean, my name has come to have, have uh, added significance and, and the guys in my pack know that it's best for them to stay upwind of me and, and work out. So, sorry <laughs> if that's inappropriate for a podcast. No, no, it's fine. It's fine. You're yeah. not alone. You're not alone. All right. Okay. For his... So. Name misfire for his flatulence. Rectal trumpets, I think, is what we, <laughs> <Rectal trumpets, laughs> right. we refer to it as, right? All right. So, yeah. so, so tell me so. a little bit more about like this the shooting team. Like, is this is this like air rifles? No, it's um, it's right. actual. Um, it's it's actually not a team. It's it's um it's a sort of informal club, and they'll get together and they'll meet and they'll discuss sort of issues related to firearms, but, but I like to get them all out at least uh, a couple of times every semester, maybe four times a year to go out and actually shoot targets. So okay. I show them how to actually uh, use firearms and I teach them, first of all, I always teach them firearm safety. Right. Yeah. Um, it's a, always start with that. I never assume that they have any experience, even if they say they do, but, but we'll actually go out and I'll show them the mechanics of how firearms work, but I'll also show them the techniques that will allow them to be better better marksmen uh, with involving breathing and things like this. Yep. And so by the way, I can also say F3 has made me better at this as well just in <laughs> terms of controlling your breathing. Wow. Yeah. Interesting. So, and it's, it's amazing. A lot of the students, some of them come in and they're, they're a little, they're a little worried about it, right? It's, they're not, they're not familiar with this, um, this world. And a lot of them come from bigger cities. Uh, and it's amazing once they get out and I show them, that firearms are to be respected. Uh, you respect them. You don't fear them, but respect them. Um, they're usually almost always hooked, and they love it because they start to see that there really is some skill involved in this. It's just not, you know, sort of. I mean, it can be if you really want it to be. It's right. not just sort of randomly shooting beer cans yeah. off a fence post. You know, that's fun too. But um, <laughs> so <laughs> it's a lot of fun. I get to I get to introduce students a lot of them to something they've never done before. Yeah, that's really cool. Do you think Bloomsburg University has a firearms? I kind of doubt it. I doubt it too. Yeah, yeah they're pretty liberal. So, is Ashland a? Yeah. Uh, how would how would you describe Ashland? Is it a uh, uh, 
not a Christian school. Is it a conservative school, liberal school? I, no, maybe you shouldn't because you work there. That's true. Never mind. I'm well, sorry. no, I mean, I, I, I can tell you how the university talks about itself. And I, I think it's, it is a university that is very open to people of faith and, 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 and love students who are of faith. And, um, is pretty open and tolerant of all sort of political views. So um, it's okay to be a conservative there and it's okay to be a Christian there. And it's, it's okay to, to not be. Um, so, and I, and I really like that because it brings in a diverse range of students and viewpoints yeah. and, and, uh, um, and the faculty there, you know, the professors really, really, they, you know, they take that seriously and they, they respect that. So yeah. it's an interesting mix. What a novel concept. Right. <laughs> Let the truth win out, man. That was my sarcastic yeah. voice. If you did. Well, you know, I, I got you. If, if, if our, if our uh, guests, people listening, haven't figured it out by now, uh, Miss Fire is a professor at Ashland University, and, and he's a professor of history and politics, correct, Miss Fire? Yeah, that's right, yeah. All right. So we're, um, we were, I, were, I really want to get into that a little bit later because uh, that, I'm fascinated by that. So we'll see because his specialty or his area of, uh, focus is sort of colonial area up to 20th century, right? That's right. Yeah. In fact, we just got back. I just got back um, three weeks ago, two weeks ago. Sorry. We took, we take our freshmen, we take a big group of freshmen. We call it the freedom tour and we take them to Philadelphia. So mm -hmm. we cover founding era. Then we take them to Washington DC and they can decide for themselves whether that's working or not. And then we, that was a joke, sorry. Uh, <laughs> that was right. a bad attempt at humor, right? <laughs> then we get out of D.C. Uh, um, and we go to Gettysburg and we and we spend a day there looking at the battle, the, the battlefield. Yeah. So it's That's a lot of fun. It's a good history cool. tour. Hey, let me, yeah. let me ask you, what, what did you, and I, we might have talked about this in one other podcast episode, but what did you, th what did you think about Independence Hall and being there? Like, I, I assume you, you, I assume you went there and, did, the, did like the National Park Service, like one of the the guides there, kind of share the story of how like the sequence of events and everything went down? Like, what did you think of that? Because I, I I've been to a lot of different places, and mm -hmm. and that gave me chills. Yeah, listening yeah. listening to that and just him bringing the historic event that took place there and how everything went down. Like he just like he just told the story so well that like I literally like had goosebumps. I was like, wow, this is really awesome. Like this is. Mm -hmm where we like this is where it happened you know and how it happened yeah so yeah what like, yeah. would you think of that did you have the same type of experience uh, oh of course every time every yeah. time i'm there i've been there i think i i go and teach there almost every summer i'm there i've been there maybe 20 times but but you know the tour guides if they do it right the national park guides um they really can bring it alive can i just tell you uh, by the way the last time we were here just two weeks ago we were there in philadelphia it was amazing. One of my former students is now working for the National Park Service, and he was there giving tours that day. So oh, we got a cool. tour of Independence Hall from a friend of mine who had graduated about five, six years ago. That's that And is, it was great. And the great. good ones really bring that whole thing alive yeah. because they tell you yeah. not just the sort of dry historical facts, but they'll tell you a little bit about, you know, why were some – like. A guy from Pennsylvania was not in favor of independence. Well, why was he? Why was he not in favor of declaring independence? And they get into these stories, right, of, of the sort, of the challenges, the difficulties of just being able to say we are no longer going to be part of another country, Great Britain. Yep. So yeah, I get chills. I mean, yeah. it's goosebumps every time. Yeah, I I love that place. I've been there twice. I'm I'm, I'm I was a big fan of colonial era history. Um, George Washington is one of one of my uh, guys that I look up to as uh, inspirational. 
and because of the humility he had when he handed his sword over to Congress at the end of the war and went back to his farm, right? Um, but that's, you know, his seat's there, right? In the back of the yeah. seat, there's, yep. there's this uh, carving, and I think it was Franklin said, when somebody asked, I forget exactly the, you'll, you know it. I know a misfire. So, but basically, go ahead. You tell the story. Yeah. No, this is great. I'm, I'm glad you know. This is awesome that you know this. So, um, the chair that Washington sat in as presiding officer, right, at the, was at the Constitutional Convention. Yeah. Uh, took place in the same place as the Declaration of Independence, right? right. Isn't that amazing? That's that, amazing. That, yep. These two major documents. Anyway, so the chair had a picture of a son on it. Mm hmm. And Benjamin Franklin, at the end of the, when they were writing the Constitution, said, the last three months, I haven't been sure whether the sun is rising or setting, but right. I can tell now as we leave this room that it's a rising sun, yeah. Yeah. which is really sort of a great foreshadowing of the hope that, that a lot of people had in, in America becoming a, a, a really a home for the free, right? A, yeah. a land of freedom and, and self-government. So. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, that's a that's a, such a cool story, right? I mean, Franklin had such a way yeah. of of uh, putting words together and and um, making uh, things <laughs> poignant like that. But you know, I saw that chair, and there's the, there's this thing, you know, half a sun with a horizon. You know, is it rising or is it setting? And uh, knowing right. that these great men sat in that room, and not only did they, you know, decide to uh, declare their independence, but putting together what we have for the Constitution of the United States government was brilliant. I mean, these guys were just so brilliant people, right? Uh -huh. I mean, they had no distractions. They didn't have any television or radio or any of that stuff. And basically a lot of them were pretty wealthy, I think landowners and stuff, but there was a president of the New college of New Jersey, which became Princeton and you know, all these guys. Right. And a lot of them, some of them were pastors, but anyway, they just, these guys just read and there was no movies to go to. Right. I mean, yeah. you, you, you got a hold of books and you read them and they were just so smart. I mean, um, yeah. brought up in a classical education, knowing the Latin, the Greek and the history and the whole thing and all that stuff. But to put together the, the, the government that we have, uh, this, uh, represent this representative government, it's just, it's just, yeah. and it happened right there in that room. Well, it also, right there. it also happened in the pubs and, you know, <laughs> Oh, I was going to tell you that I was going to say this, if you don't mind. Cause they, so you're right. I mean, they're in this little room. You've, you've seen it, right, in Philadelphia for three and a half months writing the Constitution. First time, by the way, that's been done in the way that it's been done. 56 men, 56 people there writing. Do you imagine the, I mean, just the, the, the sheer confusion and chaos, but they did it. Yeah. But a lot of the politics took place in, in the pubs. There was a particular place called City Tavern, which was a restaurant on the lower floor and a bar on the second floor, I believe. And um, we, we, I actually... Um, have seen the bill uh, that George Washington was given after the party he threw the last night of the convention, but mm -hmm. they're done writing the constitution. George Washington threw a party and paid for it. And the bill includes all this bottles of rum and, and bowls of punch and a lot of broken dishes <laughs> and glasses. <laughs> so it had to have been a good time. Good and musicians, he paid for musicians. Uh, the great. founding fathers got wild at yeah. the tavern. Yeah. I've been to that tavern yeah. now. It's been um, remodeled and stuff, right? But it's the original spot. Yes. And they try to, I mean, it's been a while since I've been there. I've, I've been there at least twice, had lunch there. But they try to have a, a menu representative of the colonial era menu and all that stuff. Really cool. Right. Really cool. And those guys, that's yeah. where they used to go hang out, right? One of the places, at least. That's it. Yeah. yeah. And, you can and they, and they, um, the, uh, they drank a lot of beer there because at the time the water was iffy, right? right yeah. So what do you do at the time? You, you drink what's 
what's relatively safe. So you can still buy, if it's open, it was closed, unfortunately, for COVID. I'm not sure if it's reopened, but you could get the beer recipe for a long time that was Washington's recipe and Hamilton's recipe and Thomas Jefferson's recipe. So Wow, that's cool. It is nothing like the beer, not not that I'm, I'm, you know, pushing anything on anybody, but it's it's nothing like beer as as we know it today. Yeah. Oh, that's cool. I didn't know that. There's yeah. a lot of people yeah. make, I don't, but a lot of people make their own beer, you know, home brewery stuff. That's very cool. Yeah. All right. Well, <laughs> we, we got to come back to some of that stuff in a little bit, but Sorry. no, no, this is great. I love this stuff. I just love this stuff. So, um, I want to come back to, and, and you know, it, I'm, I'm going to stick with it for just a little bit longer. <laughs> so the declaration of independence, which put forth the principles, right. That we live by, yeah. you know, uh, Endowed by our creator with certain inalienable rights to life, liberty, pursuit of happiness, all that stuff. Um, and the Constitution are two of, uh, you know, there, there's, it'd be hard pressed to find, other than the Bible, documents that are greater than that in the history of the world, right? And maybe the Magna Carta, I don't know, some just other stuff. And the test of time, and right? Yeah, I mean, just, just to, to come up with something like this is just so brilliant, right? Right. Right. Yeah, I know. I agree. I mean, it's, um, you mentioned the Bible. It's, uh, one of the things I, I love to teach. I teach classes on, on, you know, the, the, the declaration and the constitution. And, um, it, I love to point out by the way that it's these documents contain ideas that you would also hear, by the way, in sermons, there were a lot of preachers. A lot of people don't realize that there were a lot of preachers that were you know, in their sermons, as they were going through scripture, they would also bring up these ideas and say, this is, this, these ideas, all men are created equal, and you're supposed to be, have the rights to pursue happiness and liberty. And these, these agree with God's plan for man. It's really a, a remarkable sort of agreement between things that people, a lot of times these days, think have to be kept separate. Right. But, um, yeah. Yeah. Oh my gosh. All right. I, I, there's so much I want to talk about that. And, and we got, <laughs> I keep saying we're going to come back to it, but I keep talking again. about it. So let's, 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 let, let me stick to my guns this time. We're going to misfire. We're going to go with a, tell us how you grew up, where you grew up, what that was like. Little misfire. Yeah. Little misfire. Yeah. <laughs> how was life for a little, little misfire? <laughs> yeah. Some things haven't changed. Uh, my, my name worked back then too, but, um, so I grew up in a small town, not far from Ashland where I'm at now, about half an hour away. Um, Population five, six thousand, maybe something a little bit more than that. Um, and it was a totally different time. This is a when I was growing up in the mostly in the seventies and then in the eighties. It was the time when moms would say, you know, during the summer when I was home from school, mom would say, "Get out of the house in the morning. I don't want you back till dinner time, and right. just don't get killed." Right. So <laughs> it was great. Uh, you know, we, we had a little gang of, of guys, and sort of like the little rascals or something like that. We would just sort of do all sorts of things. We played army baseball, uh, star Wars figures were just coming out. You know, we did all this stuff growing up, but it was a wonderful experience growing up in this little community because we had a, we had, again, it's interesting how this maybe F3 in some ways reminds me of this. We had a really good band of about 12, 15 guys and getting girls at the time who would, who would hang out in the summers and cause a little bit of mischief, but it was a, it was a wonderful time to grow up. And I also want to say I'm this, I'm here in South Carolina right now visiting my parents, my mom and dad and my mom and dad, um, set such a good example for me and, and my family. My, my mom was, um, she was not the sort who would put up with any nonsense, uh, which, which I'm, I'm grateful for. Uh, but you know, if you needed love, she would give you the love. If you needed to be 
set straight, she would set you straight. And, uh, and my dad is, um, always been the guy I've looked up to most in my life because he just worked. I mean, he works hard. He's a hardworking man. Everything he did was for the sake of his family. And my dad was a meat cutter. And I remember him, uh, having to go out at, these are the old, old days, you know, when he would have to go out in the field and, and, you know, take care of the cow that was going to be, you know, processed that day. He would have to do all that by hand. So big, tough, strong man, uh, but always, always set in their, in their values and their principles and deeply committed to Christ. And, Mm -hmm. uh, I was raised in a religious household, uh, which I'm very grateful for. And, um, they've just always set the, the, the bar for everybody in our, in our family, including my family. Now, my Mm -hmm. daughters and, and my, and my son in laws and my, and my grandchildren. So, yeah. Yeah. That's great, man. I, uh, that small town USA, right. It's a, that's how dial up and I grew up too. That's right. Um, it's easy to harken back to those days and say they were better times, but our parents back then probably said their times were better times, but our times <laughs> were better times. So that's just the way it is. Um, yeah. and our music was better too, by the way, just yeah. all you people. Young Are you people. talking eighties music? Yeah. 80s There's music no good music after 1989, man. <laughs> hey, I have a 26 hour, playlist of nothing but 80s music yeah. and it includes everything i could find except madonna no no offense <laughs> to madonna fans out there but i use that when i queue i i will just sort of hit random on that playlist yeah everybody groans because they know we're getting more 80s music and some of it's some of it's really good though yeah so, you can go back to 70s and 60s and even 50s music that's okay yeah late yeah. 70s is good yeah. please know debbie gibson or uh, <laughs> uh <laughs> right. who else was there uh with new kids on the block i guess that was i think it was like 80s. 90s right? were they early 90s or Probably, late, i don't know yeah. but yeah there's i don't know yeah. anyway when mtv stopped showing music videos and they started doing other stuff that's when everything got bad but, yeah, but you're right, man. Fell apart. The, yeah. the days of having that posse. Did you guys ride your bikes everywhere? Yeah, you got it. Oh, everywhere. Absolutely. Yeah. And yeah. I had one of those uh, those yellow twin banana bikes. The banana yeah, seat. Banana seat. Yep. Yeah. Banana seat bikes. Yep. Yeah. They were great. They're much yeah, everywhere. Better, much better for your butt. <laughs> yeah. We got to. They weren't nearly as cool though. Like when the you know like a BMX bike compared yeah. to the banana seat. I converted my. I had a a five speed. I think Coyote bike did you have like the gear shift on yeah the, it was the, the gear shift dude, between your legs awesome that's, i had that and then uh <laughs> but we got it somebody built a bmx track near our house and so the guys we all started getting into like bmx bike racing yeah. so i converted my bike into that to a single gear you know i painted it and i made it look really cool and the first time i i think i bought new handlebars for it and the first time i i went on the, the bmx track and racing i'm you know tearing down you go over the first jump i landed my handlebars and went straight down I almost, you know, and I did a header over the, the bike or something, yeah. and I couldn't get the darn things to stay, and I took it home, and I think the the bolt was stripped. But anyway, yeah, man, but you had to have a bike. You had to have banana a banana seat bikes weren't really meant to be converted to BMX. Well, bikes. this didn't have a well. No, I got a new seat. I changed the seat. Well, no, the whole bike itself probably wasn't meant to. No, it wasn't. No, it wasn't. Anyway, but, it's all good. But my, but, but there's no way my parents were buying me another bike. So right, you know, yeah. I did, I, you did you do what you could. That's right. That was pretty cool though, because that's really outside my my uh, comfort zone. You know, doing like maintenance mechanic stuff you know I, i'm not very good at that yeah, you pay somebody I, I cut people open and stuff and i could do that but the mechanic stuff bike. forget it yeah all right misfire so in school did you play any sports i played um baseball for one or two years in high school but i ended up focusing mostly on football so yeah you look like a football player man <clears throat> yeah i am not uh i, I i'm not a, a sprinter by any stretch uh, so yeah, I played offensive guard in, in high school for, um, the last three years of my high school career and, um, paying the price now in the knees. Yeah. Right. So, yeah. but 
How tall are you? Sports was a great. Sorry, to mean to, but the, had a good group of guys. Uh, again, always loved being part of a team, and uh, and again, I just sort of fell out of that for twenty some years. You you, know, you get busy, and yeah. Um, so, so how how tall are I, you? You look big. Um, well, I, I'm only five ten. Oh, okay. Well, so, the camera yeah, five, adds five inches. Well, I did that on purpose. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> no, it's, right. it's just the angle of the of the of the camera. But I'm five ten, and I am down to, I think I'm down to around uh, two eighty, just under two eighty now. When I started F three last year, I was three forty. Wow. Yeah, wow. So five ten and three forty. That tells you right there yeah. why my blood pressure right it's right just the way it was. So yeah. and um, so yeah. You keep I've, it, uh, I'm I'm carrying it a little bit better now, but I feel better. Yeah. So. Are you taking pictures every once in a while? So you have like then nows. Um. Well, you can. We, we in our F three group in our in our packs, we take pictures after every workout and yeah. we post them to Slack. So. I can go back and look at when I started last year at some of those pictures and it's totally, totally different. Yeah. Um, but it's a, yeah, it's a strange perspective to see yourself now and then see yourself or see myself 12 months ago and say, wow, I can't believe that, that was me. And, but you know, but what I, I did do this once I went back and we also, by the way, post some of our workout videos to YouTube. Uh, we have, um, uh, a guy who's really good with, with tech stuff, uh, Chuck, and uh, he'll post some of our workouts, and I'll go back and watch me. <laughs> like last July, uh, there was a he posted a video of one of our workouts, and I'm looking for me, and and there I am, just sort of laying there like a slug for, <laughs> for like five ten minutes because I'm still trying to get into it at the time, right? Yeah. yeah. So, uh, but yeah, it's amazing to to see the progress. Um, and and also among a lot of other guys who have joined since me, so that's right. it's not it's, you know again a lot of guys have similar stories. We've had a, we've had a couple of people in our in our uh, packs who started off not sure that they can do it, and little by little, week by week, they get better and they get better, and now they're leading cues. And right. and yeah. again, just a remarkable thing to, to witness. Did um the uh, uh, the workouts you do? How how many times a week do you post, and what kind of workouts are they? Well, uh, last year I started in February was my first, and then I, I, I kind of came hit or miss. I wanted to come back, but I still wasn't quite feeling up to it. Once I finally did commit, I think in um, July or August, I hit a hundred. I hit a hundred one posts last year, mm-hmm. so I, I, I got a hundred by one. Uh, this year I, I haven't checked lately, but I think I'm at uh, around one hundred twenty something. We have, we're really lucky where I'm at in Ashland. So Ashland's not a big town, but we have a, we have a core group of people, core group of guys, about 30 to 35 who are pretty committed and they'll work out just about every workout uh, they get. So we have two AOs. One is uh, the local high school, which we call the Arrowhead. The other is the university uh, football field, which we call the dumpster, which is ironic. It's a really, really nice facility, but there's this big green dumpster there. Mm-hmm. And so we um, we actually have five fifteen and six o'clock workouts Monday and Thursday, seven o'clock Saturday. But we do sandbags one day, so uh-huh. there are plenty of options for us to, to double up if we want to, and which I really like. And it's also good that way that, that if I you know hit a five fifteen on Monday and a six o'clock on Thursday, I get to see some of the guys that are there at different times. And right. So it's it's really good. And you said one hundred. You're over one hundred twenty already this year. I think I'm at 120 something, and that doesn't count. I've posted downrange a few times, so yeah, that's, that's including, by the way, this week. Can I just say I'm, I'm in um, 
uh, South Carolina this week. So shout out real quick to the F3 Low Country guys here in, in Bluffton and Hillhead. Uh, had a good beat down yesterday from uh, Swanson and, and Ballcock and Cable guys. So they've been really hospitable and and, uh, and working me hard since I've been here. So <laughs> did you say Ballcock? <laughs> yes, he did. Yeah, and I and I looked online and I I, I can't figure out whether that's one word or two and i i, I want to think one is probably more appropriate than the other but yeah. cock. what is that uh, i don't even know I, yeah what, that I, is it a reference I to think something somebody made that up i don't know well the clean one that i could find was a reference to the like a trailer hitch uh-huh the part on a trailer hitch yeah yeah the ball that, that, you, yeah right i think that's what that's called in some place so i'm just going with that <laughs> A good guy. We call them truck nuts <laughs> in these in these parts. But okay, yeah. uh, shout out to Ballcock. <laughs> All right, great name. Yeah, <laughs> you have to find out how he got his name. Maybe he's a plumber. Well, I might see him tomorrow. <laughs> so I'll ask him. Hold on, wait. It's a valve that automatically fills a tank after a liquid has been drawn from it. All right, it's a sphincter, <laughs> such as like a flush toilet. A ball cock has a float on the end of a pivoting arm that opens the valve when the arm drops. All right, there you go. It's the little flapper thing in the bottom he's of your toilet. probably That's a plumber. A so he's probably a plumber. <laughs> That's what we're going to go with. It's all right. way more cleaner. Well, than I way. may see him tomorrow morning at a Find workout. Out. I will ask him, and I'll, yeah. I'll, 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 I'll get back to you. Tell, yeah. him, tell him listen to the podcast because he's famous now. <laughs> I will. Ballcock from down in Hilton Head. Low see country boys. See what his story is. We might have to have Ballcock on. <laughs> <laughs> Already Ooh. then. <laughs> All right. So you, uh, where'd you go, right. where did you go to college? Actually, I went to the place I teach now. It was the Ashland oh, University. Nice. It, was Ashland, it was Ashland College back then. But I, I went there and then I got my undergraduate degree. I did not go to college right out of high school. I, uh, I got married right out of high school, actually. I've been married 34 years to my wife, Amber. And um, worked. Uh, this was a different time. This was late 80s, 88 when I graduated. You could get a job. A lot of people could get jobs back then right out of high school. So we got married, started raising a family. A few years later, I decided to go back to, to, to college at the urging of my boss, interestingly enough. Mm. And I still can't decide whether he was trying to just be nice or trying to get rid of me. But he, <laughs> he urged me to go, and I did my degree. And then I took another seven years off working. And then I, I did um, graduate school in, uh, at, at the University of Dallas uh, in Texas. So... And I was very fortunate to get a, a job back here in Ohio, just about like I said, half an hour from my hometown, and, and a lot of my wife's family is still there. So yeah, so we're happy to be here. When you got your master's, did you do it uh, remotely? No, I, I did it in line. It was a program where you you got a master's on uh, sort of along the way uh, to getting your your PhD. So I just sort of once you get your PhD, they they check a box and they say, okay, you got a master's. Okay. So it was all wrapped up in one bundle. So yeah. I had to go there. I actually had to pick up my family. We were living in Knoxville, Tennessee uh-huh. at the time, which is beautiful. Loved it there. Great people. And we just packed up. Uh, I got into grad school there and had a chance to, to go. And we packed up. And when I told my wife I, uh, I had a chance to go to graduate school in Texas, um, and I was not sure how I was going to persuade her to do it, uh, she said, let's go. Yeah. You need to do it. I mean, she never hesitated. So. Um, she's been my rock, you know, through all these years of, of, of trying to find 
a good place to teach. And again, I've been here at Ashland now for about 18 years, just finished my 18th year and, and we're very blessed uh, nice. to be here. So. And you, uh, your undergrad, was your undergraduate degree in history? <laughs> I have two. Yeah. One was in history and the other was in fine art. So I was, Ooh. I wanted to be an artist. I wanted to paint. All right. So I, I, I was a painter uh, for a number of years and I met a really great professor. It was my junior year in college. Um, his name was uh, Schramm. It's a great name. Uh, it, it's a German word for the scar that uh, uh, Prussian nobles used to get when they would fence or sword fight, uh-huh. right? If you got the shram or the scar, it was a mark of honor. So this guy was he's sort of like that. He was sort of tough and rough, but, but a wonderful guy. I met him. I took a class with him as a junior, I think, in college, just purely randomly. And he changed my life. And, and I remember at one point, he said, you know, why do you want to go off and, and you know waste your time make, making art? Why don't you do something useful and get paid virtually nothing, become a college professor? And uh, <laughs> sounds like great advice to me. But yeah. he taught history and, and politics. And so I fell in love with it because of him. And I knew from that point forward, I was this is what I wanted to do. So yeah. he passed in 2015. And I, I was fortunate enough to come back and be his, his friend and colleague to teach with him for about 10 years before, before awesome. he died. But yeah, yeah very yeah, fortunate. The guy had a huge impact on your life, kind yeah. of like a mentor and you go back to work with him. That's fantastic. Yep. Yeah. Wow. It was a that's, dream. that's very cool, man. Um, all right. So, uh, I gotta get, we gotta get into to the history again because uh, I love it. And I, I, I don't even care if the listeners like this or not, but we're doing it. We're doing Let's it. Dial do it. Up. I'm going to go get something to eat. I'll be back. I'll be back when you guys are done. No, no, just kidding. We well, talked about Good fine stuff. art and painting and, uh, and you're teaching history and uh, the colonial history, obviously, we were talking about. I wish I could show you, but in my office upstairs, I have a painting of, uh, I don't know how well known the, the picture is, but I think, I don't know who the original artist was, but they made it based on a, I think it was a diary from a farmer who owned the land. It's of George Washington kneeling next to his horse in the snow praying. Yeah. And, and there's a, a little, a little thing story that comes with it. Cause it was like the farmer that owned the land saw him doing that and wrote about it. Yeah. Somebody painted it. Yeah. So you, you know what right. I'm talking about? I know the painting well. Yeah, it's yeah. a beautiful painting. Yeah, yeah, I got that yeah. hanging in my office because George, as I said George Washington is one of the guys I look up to. But that's, yeah, that's really cool. So, um, so the colonial history stuff. So, uh, the you mentioned the pastors and how they would preach and they talk about the principles that were put forth in the Declaration and stuff like that. Uh, the history that I read is that um, the the church in America had a, had a, a a, a significant uh, hand in us kind of leading to our independence. Um, like I said, there were some some pastors that were uh, on the the sign of the Declaration of Independence and stuff like that. But um, but the Great Awakening occurred just before our War for Independence, right? Yeah. So, uh, yes, that's right. Yeah, huge impact. Jonathan Edwards, he was preaching up in the in Boston, was it? I think, but there was, who was, was he, was he going around, uh, holding event, um, crusades and stuff or it was like somebody else, but anyway, uh, yeah. Revival, revivals. Yeah. uh, Revivalism. Yeah. Yeah. It was really important. Yeah. And they were going to, and, um, yeah, go ahead. Sorry. I'm sorry. I keep interrupting, but no, this is, I mean, this is a great point that you're raising because again, a lot of people think, you know, the American Revolution started in 1775 at the Battle of Lexington and Concord. And it's true, that's when the shooting started. But 
Do you know John Adams, the other, you know, another famous founder? Um, <laughs> yeah, he's one of the signers of the Declaration. He wrote a letter, and he said the American Revolution actually started well before 1775. It started back in the 1750s and 60s because the revolution started in the minds right. of the American people. They stopped When they stopped saying, God bless the king, and started saying, God bless our, our local, um, you know, legislatures. Right. Uh, that's when that's when Americans started thinking like Americans. But but he also points out that the leaders, the first leaders of the revolution, were were preachers and pastors. Right. Um, it wasn't because there was no Congress until 1775, right? That's, right. Or 1774. Just separate colonies. So the, the yeah. first, the yeah, the the first leaders were were preachers in the colonies, and they were, and they started preaching that. Um, that like the arbitrary tyranny, the tyranny of kings, where they get to tell you what to do and you don't have any say in it, is contrary to God's will. It's actually contrary to the way human or God wants people to live together. God wants people to be free. He wants them to be able to pursue happiness, to go out and work as they want to work and and keep the fruits of their labor. Right, make some money if they need to, but raise their families the way they want to raise them. And tyranny in the form of kings these preachers were, were arguing is contrary to God's will. So God becomes anti-tyrannical, anti-king, really, <laughs> for a lot of these preachers. So, sorry, I didn't mean to cut in there, Deepa, but that's No, a great no, it's great, man, it's so. great stuff. It's like, was it uh, Lex Rex instead of Rex Lex? Was that Rutherford? Yeah. Or, yeah, um, yeah. But these guys knew all this stuff. I mean, they were really, really well-educated. I mean, Harvard was founded to teach uh, preachers the Bible, right? And had to, but they were studying, yeah. you know, Cicero and Roman, the great Roman writers, and and Locke and and you know Rutherford and these guys. I mean, we need to be like right. that in America again. We need to we need to um, bring that education back uh, to be taught in all our schools. But uh, man, people need to read, right? Right, dial up. Oh, yeah. I agree. And and the it coming from the churches, I mean, it makes sense, right? Because you know, to start that movement, you need people to be together, yeah, right, and and unified, and the, like the churches where was that spot where that would be happening every week mm-hmm. uh, at that time. Yeah. That's where people got most of their news, believe yeah. it or not, at the time right. was from, from their, from their churches. So during, during the week, they're, they're yeah. tending to their farms, their own businesses, right. They're interacting a little bit with their, with the, you know, the neighbors or their community, but the, the churches was the gathering spot every, every Sunday where mm-hmm. everybody was coming together and the message was going out and uh, yeah. yeah, they're in the taverns. And the taverns, yeah, <laughs> churches well, the ta- and taverns. Well, the taverns is where it like expanded then, right? Because like you know, the message was delivered on Sunday. Then you know, the rest of the week, then they were in the taverns. Like, hey, what'd you think about Pastor Paul's right. message? That's this right, week, right? You know, they had nothing uh, else to talk about. Yeah, they couldn't mindlessly scroll through TikTok like I do. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so that, you know, that's yeah. the, the the melding of faith and 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 uh, and the uh, founding of our nation, but a nation that's not. Ruled by or uh, in, you know embraces any particular religion. I mean, how brilliant is that? Uh, right. Uh, can, so, can I just say on that point? You mentioned George Washington earlier, and my I have the deepest admiration for George Washington uh, for what he was able to do as just you know one person who throughout his entire life tried to try to bring uh, um, Americans together as Americans. That was his first big challenge, right? Yeah. So, as commander in chief during the revolution, he had to deal with you know, he was leading the Continental Army, but it was made up of people from Virginia and Pennsylvania right. and Massachusetts who didn't necessarily like each other. So he helped forge what it, you know, the idea of being an American. But the other thing um, is he was, 
fighting, he claimed, for primarily for the sake of religious liberty. So what he yeah. wanted was, of course, he thought being you know religion was important. That America had to um, have have important religious values and principles in order to be moral. But he believed that it was the best way to secure that and promote it was to make sure that people could be religious and and in the way that they thought was fulfilling their duty to God as they understood their duty. So yeah. he was a great defender of religious uh, freedom in this country, which yeah. at the time was not to be found in any other place in the world. Right. And there were still, there were still some crazy laws that were governed by religious sects in our, in the different colonies. Right. I mean, and, and stuff right. like that. So yeah, it was, I mean, these guys had their work hand, their work cut out for them. Uh, you know, Washington, I think he showed up, uh, to the Continental Congress with, uh, with his uniform on and, uh, uh, yeah. and no one else had a uniform on and, uh, and they're looking for somebody to lead the army, and well, he had experience in the French and Indian War, and uh, and he was from Virginia, yeah. so and it was all happening up in Boston, so to unite the colonies, you know, all that. So there were some smart moves, you know, some strategic yeah. things going on there. Yeah. That's really cool. I'd like I'd like yeah. to just clarify this Lex Rex Rex Lex thing because people listening are like, "What the heck is he talking?" Yeah, I have about? no idea what you're talking about. Yeah, Thank so you. <laughs> it's it's Latin, I believe. Rex means king. Lex means yeah. law. So Rex Lex means a king makes the law. Lex Rex means the the king is under the law. He has to obey the law. The law is above the king. Thank Did you. I get that right? You got it. Misfire? You got it. Yeah. Yep. So. You got it. Yeah. I'm not just a pretty so. face there, Dialop. <laughs> <laughs> I know. I know you're not. <laughs> That's why I said I could probably just go and have a snack or something. <laughs> I know. I'm come sorry. Come back here and you can. Yeah. yeah. I, well, anyway, if anybody is, you know, it's, it's, I'm a geek, but you know, you got to read this stuff and, and um, the founding of the nation and, and, whatever you were, you going to find it and maybe misfire could tell us, but also the biographies, you know, Washington's and Hamilton's and Adams sure. and Jefferson's biographies and stuff like that. So if people wanted to yeah. learn more about colonial history, what would you suggest that they read? Because I just want to um, add, add one more thing. And I, I want to get your opinion on this too. The uh, historical fiction books, uh, particularly by, I'm going to mispronounce his name, Sahara, Sahara, Shara, whatever he was oh, yeah. writing. Them, then his, right. then he died and his son started writing them. Um, yep. But, uh, but, you know, how would you recommend people, if they're interested in that, what would they read? Oh, well, I'm, I'm really glad you asked because I, I teach at Ashland University, but I also work for a group called Ashbrook, the Ashbrook Center, which is um, centered at Ashland University. And they promote the study of American history and American uh, political ideas. And I've been fortunate enough uh, to, uh, I've been fortunate to, to work on a website. So if people want to visit a website that's really user-friendly and learn more about this and read the biographies and the stories and the, um, uh, even the, and the documents, right. The declaration and the things that led up to even read some of these servant sermons we were talking about, they can go to, uh, Americanfounding.org. And it's, um, it's meant to be really user-friendly and inviting and people can come in and explore and, and, and find all sorts of cool stuff. Uh, about these these amazing people that that I think you know did something remarkable in, in creating this country. I was also going to mention you brought up Bashara, uh, the, the, the son and the, fa- the father and the son, and I think that Shara's the the father's book on uh, Gettysburg Killer Angels. Yeah, have you yeah. read that? I haven't I don't read mean, that. Put yeah. you on the spot. That's no, right. Yeah. It's beautiful. Yeah. I think it's beautiful. So I just read it again this summer for our trip that we took um, took the group of students on a trip to uh, Philadelphia and Gettysburg and in DC. So yeah, that's yeah, a great book. It is. It is. That's a, I think that's a second book I read of those guys. And then I went back and read more about colonial and, and the civil war stuff. But, um, 
Gettysburg, just the, the story of that, that. That's just the story of the Battle of Gettysburg, right? And, right. And it's a, it's just, it's just incredible to, to, to see how the, you know, things happen and turn. If people get a chance to visit Gettysburg, they should. It's really, it's really an oh, awesome. Hands down. I mean, I've been there uh, maybe 10 times. Uh, I was, again, I was just there about three weeks ago, two weeks ago. I, I, as soon as I set foot on the battlefield, I start to weep. Yeah. I mean, we, I mean, not ball, but I mean, my eyes water up and I, because I can, it's such a beautifully preserved area. You can almost see yeah. the men yeah. sacrificing uh, and, and sweating and, and doing their duty. I mean, you can visualize it so well. And especially after you've read something good like that book, right? Killer Angels, uh, you can really see, you know, what happened there. And um, it's a beautiful place to be and very, very moving. Every time I'm there, I'm just deeply moved by the courage that was displayed on, on the part of a lot of people there. So. Yeah. Do you usually join one of the, like the ranger led tours or do you just kind of explore on your own knowing, like kind of knowing the history and doing all the reading that you've done? Yeah, I, I actually, uh, when we take students there, I usually lead the tours. Um, and can I just say, by the way, so I mentioned my dad earlier, my dad, when he retired a few years back, he had always wanted to go to Gettysburg and, um, but never found the time because he was always working. So when he retired, one of the first things he said, we're going to do son is we're going to go to Gettysburg and you're going to show me around. And we did. We The battle lasted three days, and we spent three days. On day one, we went to where the first day of the battle was, day two and day three. And it was the greatest, one of the greatest experiences yeah. I've ever had, And especially because I got to do it with my dad, who had, yeah. that had been his lifelong dream to get to see that battlefield. And he, he walked Pickett's Charge. You can still walk this. Yeah. You know, you can, yeah. you can see, you know, the route that these guys had to take as they're being mowed down by cannonballs fired from yeah. the— from uh, Cemetery Ridge, and it's just an, an amazing experience. Yeah, they're so. trying to run up that hill, and all they get just under a hail of lead. That's just crazy. Okay. Yeah, and they broke through yeah. the line at one spot, but uh, they got pushed. They did. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Lee should have listened to Longstreet, but I'm glad <laughs> so. he didn't. Yeah, well, <laughs> yeah, I know. Where are you near? Where are you in Pennsylvania? Right, somewhere near Gettysburg. Or? Well, we're not we're so. two hours north yeah, of it. About an hour and a half, two okay. hours. Yeah, yeah it's right. not far away. Yeah, yeah I had a Lee was headed to. He was headed to Harrisburg when he had to turn back to Gettysburg. Yeah, yeah. Right. I had a high school pre- professor that uh, wrote numerous books. Uh, he was a his, you know historian for uh, the Civil War and uh, Gettysburg in particular. And we would do a field trip there every year in high school with like his history and AP history class. And like you said, he could just bring it all to life. Yeah, like as a high school kid, you know, you, normally you don't appreciate that kind of stuff right right you, you got a lot of other things on your mind uh but that was a class that like even as a young high school kid like you just you, you loved it you loved going there with him because like he brought history to life as you as you Great. stood in those different places um on the, on the battlefields and he just described what was happening it's like you like you said you could it's so preserved that you can see like you could see it all unfolding i'd, I'd love to go down sometime when they're doing the the, the reenactments yeah. over the you know over the july it's really crowded there. then yeah. it is it's yeah it's like crazy crowd yeah. and of course it's always like blazing hot but yep. that's really gotta yeah. be cool to be there and imagine it was really really hot happen. during the battle right i, I think at that time it was, it was like in the high 80s or something they're wearing these wool uniforms yeah. and right crazy yeah yeah. And seasonably warm. Yeah. July 1st, 2nd, and 3rd. Yeah. Yeah. So, so I'm going to jump in here. Yeah, I have a ahead, question man. for him. So I'm, I'm going to take us away, maybe uh, a little more serious discussion. I don't know. Um, so, you know, when I think about Gettysburg, there's like so many monuments there, uh, you know, recognizing the different leaders and everything. I, I, I'm just, I was curious in your, in your, in your courses that you teach, 
you know, there's such a movement at times anymore, you know, to tear down monuments, um, right. recognizing a lot of our founding fathers because of their, of their past, you know, a lot of them being slaveholders and such. I, I was just curious, like what, what are the discussions like for you in the, in the classrooms on, on those topics? Like what, like what, what are those discussions like with your students? I'm really, I'm really curious to hear. Yeah, that's great. Uh, great question. I love, um, having these discussions, but here, so if I can just say, so when I come into a classroom as a professor, mm-hmm. one, one of the things I really don't like among college professors these days is they come in with their own views and their agenda and they tell students, you have to agree with my views or right. you don't pass the class. Right. Yeah. I will never do that. So I have my own views, by the way, on these things, That's on fine. the very things that you mentioned. Yeah. But when I come into a classroom, um, what I do is I like to put, so let's take the, the, the issue of, um, of slavery, right? So the founders, some of the founders had slaves. Well, you know, why did they not end slavery? Uh, how do you answer that question? That's a big problem, right? So what I do is I put, I put Thomas Jefferson in front of them. I'll give them letters from Thomas Jefferson where he makes his, you know, he makes his point of view known as to why he, he thinks slavery was wrong, but he can't get rid of it for various reasons. And then I'll put the opposite point of view in front of students. I'll put, mm. you know, Benjamin Franklin in front of them, uh, something he wrote calling for abolition. So what I do in my classroom is I put, I actually put both sides of an argument in front of my students. And then we think them through together. And I, I really want them to draw their own conclusions mm-hmm. on their own, using their own thoughts. Um, but I also hope they come down on the right side, of course, right, on these questions. Uh, but but I, I never tell them, here's what you have to believe. I want them right. to think it through carefully. And they almost always, if you do it that way, they come away saying, oh, now I see. I see something I didn't see before. I see why Jefferson was yeah. this and this and this. And it is a real problem, I think, today, um, the the number of students who come into college sort of despising their, their past, their, their country's past. Because of the because of the real problems that, that are that we do you know have to come face to face with, but what I want them to do is come away appreciating the good that that this country has done, mm-hmm. and hopefully they can come to see on their own that the good outweighs mm-hmm. any of the bad, and I think that's a healthier way to think about things because I think sometimes people these days have a tendency to sacrifice the good for the perfect, right? Yeah. And you know it wasn't perfect, so it's it's just corrupt to heck with the whole thing, right? Throw it all out. Well, this is a this is a difficult um, thing that that Americans are trying to do. They're trying to make a good country for that's good for citizens, but they're also trying to do it without kings. They're trying to do it democratically, and, and right. democracy gets messy, right? Yeah. So, I just want them to appreciate the, the very real challenges that stood in the way that a lot of Americans were able to overcome, mm-hmm. but also, you know, we're not able to overcome, and just let them understand why those failures and successes are there. That was a long winded answer. And I started sounding like a college professor. I I apologize. That's okay. No, it was very, (laughs) very well, very well said. No, I I like that. I kind of want to take, what's the monument? I kind of want to take one of your classes, honestly. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. We're going to take a road trip. We're going to post to the beatdowns and come to your class. You are welcome. Anytime you can come up and post if you want and sit in on any class you want. But with the monuments, again, it's, it's sort of similar. I say, look, um, what's better to, to, to rewrite the past in a way that, takes away our freedom today and my children's freedom mm-hmm. and your children's freedom to think about our past freely. What's better to do that or to leave these things up and, and continue to have arguments and discussions and debates uh, 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 that remind us of, 
what's good about America. So yeah. anyway, that's just my learn from our past. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Well, exactly. I mean, you know, <laughs> but people and, and this, this stuff is so important and uh, not just because I'm a geek and I think it's interesting, but if you're a guy, if you're a man, um, you're supposed to be a leader. You are a leader. The question is whether you're going to be a good leader or not. And the question if you're going to be a virtuous leader or not. And at F3, our mission is to develop virtuous leaders, right? To invigorate male community, community leadership, and we want to develop virtuous leaders. And part of being a leader is understanding this stuff and being able to tell your children about it. Because if we don't understand the founding of our our country, the principles that it was founded on, and, and, and that kind of stuff, and what we had to go through to earn the freedom, not just for ourselves and in our war for independence, but then the freedom for, uh, for, for the slaves in the civil war, hundreds of thousands of men gave their lives, uh, right. because of the principles put forth in those documents and what we did. They, they laid the groundwork, uh, for, uh, freedom for everybody. Um, but there were 13 different colonies and, and some of them, you know, didn't want to give up slavery. And if we were going to be unified, we had to do that at the time. And, you know, but we paid a price for yeah. it, and um, and it's not perfect, like you said, but but I think it's just so important for men to know this stuff and be able to talk about it uh, with you know informatively, you know, right? To have the information and 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 have a reasonable discussion about it. Right, right. No, I agree. And when I, I say when I I ask students a lot of times, why do you why should we study history? And you you probably heard this, right? We study history so we don't repeat the mistakes of the past, right. and I think that's true. But I also then add. But we should also study history so we can learn from the successes of the past. It's right. So it's not it's not that everything that that, that uh, Americans have done in the past is bad. They've done a lot of good if you think about it. I mean, the fact that we're able to be as diverse as we are today in terms of our religious views and political mm-hmm. views, and the fact that we still have the same Constitution right. uh, two hundred years later, which is remarkable. Uh, it's a rare thing in the world, and so that means some things were done well. I would say, but. Uh, <laughs> I just want them to come away with a deeper appreciation of the, of the successes um, yeah. as, they, as they deal with the failures, if I can use that term. So. No, it's good. And, and, you know, you teach politics along with it, and, and it, they kind of go hand in hand, right? So um, where do you think, and get your opinion on this, so where do you think we are now, uh, the way that the, the way the culture, not just the culture, but, but specifically the way our leaders are, are doing things, you know, in Washington, in relation to the to to the Constitution, you know how. Yeah, know, I don't. I don't want to get too specific, but just get your general thoughts on that because if we uh, don't, you I've know, got plenty of thoughts. All right, go ahead, man. <laughs> <I'm sorry>. uh, <laughs> I'm happy to. I mean, I'll just say, I, uh, I'll just throw this out there. I think a lot of politicians um, in D.C. Uh, and in the states they need to study this stuff more. Yeah. The stuff we've been talking about. It's that right. I think. They don't know our history. They don't know our past. I've met some really good and thoughtful ones um, in my line of work who, who are very knowledgeable of American ideas and American principles. But I think um, we're very, you know, we're, we're pretty divided politically as a, as a people, as a nation right now. Uh, it's a lot of people tend to think that this is the worst it's ever been. I've studied history, so I'm not sure that's true. Right. Uh, there have been some pretty tense moments. I mean, even leaving the Civil War out, right? right yeah, but, yeah. Um, but um, I, this is, I'll just say personally, one of the reasons I think it's important for us to preserve and cultivate um, uh, uh, an appreciation for the Declaration of Independence, especially. I mean, again, I know a lot of people these days say, well, those founders, they were all corrupt and they didn't really believe that stuff. So let's just throw the Declaration of Independence out. I think it, 
that the declarations, the ideas that you were mentioning earlier mm-hmm. are the things that can keep us together as a people. Even if we disagree over specific policies and right. laws, yeah. can we still agree that all men are created equal and that, and, and that they are, they ought to have the right to the life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness and that government ought to secure our rights. And mm-hmm. Can we, if we can agree on those things, I think there's always hope that we can find common ground. Um, but I think if we if we jettison those things, that's that's when I'll really start to worry. So yeah, <laughs> yeah, agreed. I and uh, along those lines, I'd like to ask you this question because I my concern is, for first of all, I'll go back to your point about you know this may not be the worst it's ever been because I like to tell I like to tell people about that like okay. Social media just magnifies everything. It makes everything like, oh, things are so bad. Yeah. And and it could make things worse doing that. But um, going through our war for independence, I mean, it was, most people had 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 it okay and that kind of things. But man, the Civil War, I mean, you said, let's, you know, even outside the Civil War, but the Civil War, man, we lost, not only did we lose hundreds of thousands of men to give their lives for this, but the amount of guys that were maimed and couldn't work and fatherless homes and orphaned children. I mean, it was just horrible. Right. But right. after, after that, the, uh, when the industrial revolution hit and the people and, and the, the way people were living in the cities, um, you know, New York especially, but it was just horrible. And then the great depression and the, the great dust bowl migration. I mean, all, there was some seriously bad times. You can just go back yeah. as not only as far as the, during the Vietnam war era, uh, you know, we had presidents being assassinated, you know, all this stuff going on, this turmoil in, in our country. And, uh, and I mean, things were, were pretty bad at multiple times in the past. So, yeah. you know, people think it's really bad now. I'm like, oh, yeah, well, you know, it could be better and we got to work at it. But let's not uh, say this is, so you know, so awful. We got to remember, like you said, the successes that we had. And we said, like on our episode with Dark Helmet, that when, when times like this happen, men step up and lead. And uh, that's right. So. We got that. That's right, and and I think the best leaders, when they step up, they remind us in our in their in their various ways that what America stands for is hope. Yeah. That as dark as things seem right now, that they can seem really dark. And as you said, we've gone some through some really tough times. Yeah. But and again, I think one of the things that sets the United States of America apart from a lot of other places in the world is that there they are. There's no hope for the people that live there. They have the same rulers, and they're, you know. They're, they're subjects and they're, they're, they're abused and oppressed and there's no hope there. Nothing's but as change. bad as things get in this country, as long as we think that, that human beings ought to be free and ought to pursue happiness, there's hope. So it could be really, really bad. But, but I think great leaders are the ones who remind us of that. Yeah. And not just on the sort of grand political stage nationally, but in our private lives, right? Um, and again, this is one of the reasons I love F3 so much is the, the promise of the hope, right? That if you put the work in, and I think this is very symbolic of America as a whole, if you put the work in, the reward will be there. Yeah. And I don't just mean rewarding the selfish way. I mean, rewarding the sense that the good that you hope will come of things will actually come about. So. Yeah. yeah, that's awesome, man. Yeah. Put the work in. Uh, and. Uh, we have at least a system set up where uh, you have an opportunity to succeed. That's great. There's a whole lot of people trying to get into our country. Yeah, there's a reason. Yeah. Yep. I don't know about any other there's country where people are trying to get in that badly, right? So, about it. Yeah. Yeah. So, uh, yeah. But we got to stay vigilant, right? Because um, uh, you look at, you know, I get I get worried when I see uh, the corruption 
not just uh, politics has always been somewhat corrupt in some way or shape or form. But when you look at our, um, uh, the uh, FBI intelligence branches, I mean, the, you know, and I'm sure it's always, there's been stuff happening before and stuff like that, but that's when you get, uh, I just get a little bit more concerned, but uh, Hey, God is good. He's in control and uh, he'll raise up the right leaders at the right time. We've got to pray for that. Right. That's right. Yeah. So a yep. question for you. On, dark helmet uh, for president. Yeah, yeah. We're trying to get dark helmet to run for president in 2024. So. Hey, all right. That's great. If he needs any campaign advice, uh, give him my right. contact information. Helmet, you heard it here. Misfire, he's he's here for you, man. <laughs> it won't be very good advice, but I'm happy to help. Yeah, well, you're a professor of history and politics, so. <laughs> we got to keep this going every episode. we got to have some reference yeah, dark to dark helmet, helmet 2024. 2024. All right, anyway. Uh, so a question for you about the, the declaration. You know, just want to. I don't. I don't think many people know this, and you could please correct me if I'm wrong. But when it says the uh, the pursuit of happiness, right, life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness, um, that wasn't a new thing in the in the Declaration. It was like in in some I think uh, some other state constitutions and different things like that. Some of them right. said the the pursuit of private property, and the, you know, some said happiness. But that term happiness, I have read and learned, and and Green, correct me if I'm wrong, but that. That doesn't mean doing whatever you can to be happy. That actually means the the opportunity to live a virtuous life. Yeah, is what sort of that, that what people re- yep. thought of that uh, phrase when he said it right back then. Yeah, no, I agree entirely. Uh, this is again a time when um, when people thought that that virtue, that is, you know, civic virtue, private virtue, um, faith, these things that made you good men uh, were were the reasons that those were the causes of happiness, right? Yeah. That, um, and the truest kind of happiness and the longest lasting happiness, it, that comes from the kind of virtue. And that's why, by the way, um, the education, we didn't have a formal education system back then, the, the way that we do now with mm-hmm. private schools, although there were some in new, new England, but the kind of education that people got was one that was meant to cultivate that kind of virtue. Uh, it was meant to make them not only good citizens, but but good neighbors, good fathers, good sons, right. good you know, uh, good, good good just good decent human beings. And it was thought that if people cultivated that virtue and acted according to it, you would find not only real happiness among private individuals, but you would find a society, maybe again for the first time in history, I would say for the first time in history, a, a truly happy society of happy human beings. Yeah. But again, that pursuit of happiness, as you're pointing out, doesn't guarantee the happiness, right? It just means we ought to be free to pursue it. And in order to pursue it, that means you have to be good and you have to work hard and, mm-hmm. um, and respect the rights of others, right? right? Just how about, you know, so respecting the rights of others is a big, is a big challenge sometimes. But if we, if we want those rights for ourselves, we have to respect them and others. That was, considered to be the most, maybe the most basic virtue that Americans would expect to have. Yeah. And the only way this, this type of government's going to work. That's right. I mean, unless you again want Kings and I personally don't want Kings. No. I, I like, I like, um, I like being self-governing in the sense that I consent to uh, good people going off and, mm-hmm. and hopefully trusting them to deliberate well and think well and make good laws that are meant to be for the good of the whole, uh, for all of us. So, Mm-hmm. But that takes a lot of work, and I do think it takes a lot of education, but it also yeah. takes people reconnecting and, and having conversations like this, even in their private lives, right, about, yeah. about what's going on. And um, that's, where, that's where the good, good leaders and good men of the future are going to come from, obviously, right? They're going to have to come from good families, and, and hopefully they're going to 
become even better by being around good men as they grow up um, mm -hmm. in high school. And then in their, you know, the friends that they make, including, you know, again, F3, I'm, uh, I'm so grateful and happy to be part of this group. I am blessed to be around a group of just really good, decent men yeah. uh, who are good in their jobs, they're good in their private lives and, and, and they set good examples for others. So yeah, they're all leaders. Yeah. 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 If you're going to be a virtuous leader, you got to pursue a virtuous life. Yeah. I, there's no doubt. And I think the American founders, the people we think of as founders, they understood that 100%. Yeah. They probably, In fact, I give you, if, if we had time, I could probably pull up direct quotes from George Washington and everybody else saying exactly that. Yeah. So. <laughs> yeah. You know, if, if, if they were around now, they'd be part of F3. I think so. Yeah. Yeah. No doubt. Washington, Adams, yeah. Hamilton. They'd be Nantans. I don't know about Jefferson. He's a little bit of a Frenchy guy, but you know. <laughs> yeah, he's maybe drinking too busy drinking wine or something. Yeah, you know, will, yeah. French wine. But, <laughs> well, I'm just but I'm, I I'm think sorry they might. all you Jefferson fans out there. I'm just kidding. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So, but yeah, I, I, look, there are some great again. There's a great letter from uh, Jefferson to his nephew saying, uh, "Here's some advice on how to engage in." You know, his uh, nephew, I think at the time was in his mid-teens or early teens, and Jefferson wrote him a letter saying, "Let your pursuit be manly." Right. When you're not in school, what do you do with your with your free time? Don't engage in these sort of frivolous activities that just waste your time or get you into trouble. And Jefferson said, "Go on walks, go hiking." Yeah. Um, and he said, "Take a book with you and a gun." By the way, <laughs> when you go on a walk, take a book and a gun, but go walk and then take a break and read a little bit and then practice your marksmanship and then walk and hike and do these things. So that's a great letter. So in a way, he is encouraging the same sorts of activities. Uh, yeah, uh, that's that, awesome. That, um, Maybe we should have an AO like that. We're going to bring books <laughs> and guns. Ruck, bring your books, your gun, and your ruck. Yeah, let's do it. <laughs> Sweet. Yeah. All right. Yeah, we so, we have a lot of college professors in our in our um, in our in our group here at Ashland. Uh, maybe eight or nine college professors. We have people from all walks of life. We have, of course, you know, um, uh, we have three preachers. We have our pastors. We have. Um, high school teachers, uh, we have all sorts of people, but we have eight college professors, I think, in our group. So their cues sometimes get a little cerebral. Right, yeah. Um, <laughs> so somebody did a, a, a Jefferson cue last year, I think, and every all the exercises had to add up to 76, I uh -huh. think, for 1776. Yeah. Nice. Kind of, kind of fun. I did that one year, didn't I? So, I did you did, yeah. 1776. Right. Because the one thing you had to run... Some, yeah, everyone had to try to run 1,776 meters. But everybody was done when the first person did it. Right, and your, your and son, thank, Pong. Thank heavens, Pong thank, was thank there. Thank God he was there because he's really fast. <laughs> he, was done, he was done pretty quick. Yeah, yeah that's, that's cool. Great. Yeah, that's really cool. And the 4th of July is coming up, man. Maybe we should do that again. Get Pong to come back out. Yeah, yes. <laughs> yeah, that's All awesome, right. man, because that's what? Yeah. That's a little over a mile, right? Yeah, yeah, just a uh, yeah, mile and Meters, yeah, I think so. he got done with his uh, little over a mile, and I, I was at about a half a mile. Right, yeah. So, yeah, it's good. Yeah, yeah he'd cruise along. Great. About, yeah. Uh, I got to ask you one more question about this history stuff, and then we'll get to the, the final couple questions. Do you teach uh, Tocqueville's book, The Democracy in America? I do, yeah. Uh, we do. We teach that here. I, I taught it a few times. Yeah, I would love to take yeah. that class. So, did you ever hear that book, Dialogue? Nope. So, to put it on your reading list. Okay. All right. Democracy You'd in America. You'd be proud of me. I just ordered some books today. Oh, what'd you order? Uh, <laughs> Ranger Confidential, which is the one I was telling you about. Uh, that uh, it, It's a story of a lot of search and rescue missions within the National Park Service. Yes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That yeah. was the one. And and actually, I, I, I haven't read the new Free Delete. 
So oh, I want to go yeah. back and read that to yeah. read this, the, uh, the, essays. The, the essays that yeah. are in there. So that was the other one that I read. Yeah. So I want to go back and because, uh, you know, I haven't read Free to Lead since F3 started here in Susquehanna Valley. Right. So I want to go back and reread Free to Lead with the essays in it. So those That's are the two books. All right. That I ordered. Democracy in America will be a little more challenging, probably. I don't know. It's pretty thick. Yeah. I mean, it's not very long. I mean, it's it's not huge, but it's uh, they didn't talk the way we talked back then. No. <laughs> I mean, it's De- 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 Tocqueville. He was a what was he a French jurist? Whatever a jurist is. French. Yeah. Yeah. And he came over to to study democracy in America. Was it before the Civil War? Right? Was it? Mm-hmm. Yeah, eighteen thirty-two to six, I think, somewhere around there. Yeah, yeah. I should have him tell you. So. I'm telling you, he, he's the expert. I should have him yeah. tell you. But he basically wanted to see why is this democracy work over here? Like, what's this all about? Right. right. That's right. You nailed it. That's perfect. Yeah, give it. Give us a breakdown yeah. of what his summary was of why democracy works. Well, he was. Um, so he, you were right. He came over actually to study. He was interested in the American prison system, interestingly enough. But but De Tocqueville was again. He's coming over in the 1830s, and he's coming from France. And France is still, they have not got their stuff together after the French Revolution. It's chaos, right? They're going Mm -hmm. through governments, different constitutions. And they're trying to be democratic, but it's not working. And they go back to having emperors and all this. So Tocqueville, while he's over here to look into the American prison system, says, you know, these Americans have seemed to figure out how to make this democracy thing work. And it's amazing. It was remarkable to Tocqueville because he's basically an aristocrat. So what I mean by that I mean he is he's he is um, from the old class system where he was privileged yeah. and in the old the old ways you know aristocrats were privileged and everybody else was a dirt covered commoner yeah how did he keep his head well he he must have been very good at playing politics so yeah. <laughs> he survived I'm sorry yeah. go ahead no no but you know he came over and he said wow these Americans have really figured something and you know what he found out interestingly enough was the um, Americans are really good at getting together in small groups yeah. and fixing things themselves. Yes. Yeah, they yeah. don't rely on the, the king or some faraway governor or government to, to come in and put the new road in. They just get together, raise money, and they'll put a road in if they need a road, or they'll build a building and, or a bridge. And mm-hmm. so Tokyo found that one of the things that keeps that makes democracy work is people learning to come together in what he called associations, right? Yeah. But really just sort of small groups of people that come together and get stuff done. Right. And it was, he was amazed at this. So again, what I like about the book and I have to, you know, I have to give a shout out to uh, one of my colleagues who teaches with me is uh, F3 guy. His name is Flo Nasty. He teaches this book every year and he's so good at it. He, but it's fantastic how he, he shows that it, it's, it's a, it's a Frenchman who brings a different perspective and writes about what he sees in America and he sees things that Americans don't see because we live it, right? right we yeah. live this stuff yeah. every day. So we don't even know and notice some of the things that we have that are good for us or some of the advantages we have. Here's a Frenchman coming in from France, which is chaos, and he says, wow, this is remarkable. Now, he also says the Americans need to worry about this and this and this. What they need to worry about is what in the end, what, and I don't want to use big technical terms to put people asleep, but he, he's worried about what he calls a kind of friendly despotism. That is yes. a big yeah. government that will give you all the good things you want if only you serve it, right? Yeah. So that's the thing we need to worry about, according to Tocqueville. But in the yeah. meantime, as long as people keep coming together as, as um, you know, sort of the local groups working together to get good things done, things will be fine. Yeah. So that's my 
sorry, long. That's okay. Relatively that's short, that's what I got from it too. Day. But you know, Flow Nasty, we had to get him together a ball cock. They're probably both plumbers. <laughs> <laughs> that would be an interesting workout, I'm sure. <laughs> All right, I got Democracy in America in my cart. Nice. Yeah. All right. So there you go. Yeah. He also it's said, uh, I think one of the quotes from the book was, "America's great because America's good. If when America ceases to be good, America will cease to be great." Right. Yeah, that's right. That's right. And that is in his chapters on the effect of religion in America. Yeah. And again, coming from France at the time after the uh, French Revolution and all that was in chaos, one of the problems was the, during the French Revolution in the 1790s, they, they abolished religion. They just did away with it. No more religion. Right. It's gone. Yeah. And and in America, when Tocqueville came over, he was amazed at how how deeply religious Americans were in, in, in their private lives. Right. Again. And, and I think he does, he does really say that's one of the reasons America is so good. Yeah. I mean, you know, you, you can't, you can't be virtuous without virtues and you can't have virtues without the word of God. If you're going to base your life on, on, uh, the solid foundation of faith and, you know, for me, faith in Jesus Christ, um, if you don't do that, I don't know how you could really uh, be content, uh, have uh, you know peace in your life, and be able to be a virtuous leader. But the same thing for a government. You know, France. You know, we talked about er- earlier in this episode, the Great Awakening occurred in America, right? So right. we're like ninety-eight percent Christian uh, people believe the word of God, that the Bible was the word of God, and this is the in the the the, the from the pulpits is what we heard. Uh, uh, the beginning of the Revolutionary War, you know, our our, our, our uh, attempt at independence, right? But in France, right. it, that's not what the foundation was, and they, no, they end up in totally a, the opposite. Yeah, and they end up in a bloodbath over there, and they end up with an emperor. That's right. They, yeah. they, and they, by the way, I'm sorry, I didn't mean to cut you off. That's all right. You're raising all these great thoughts in my head, and I'm sorry if I'm <laughs> I'm nerding out too. I love this stuff. Sorry about that, but the. Um, in, after, in the 1800s, early 1800s, people, you mentioned this earlier, there are a lot of people that want to come to this country. Even in the 1800s, people were trying to get out of Europe yeah. because it was such a mess. And, and the other reason that these um, that the religious revivals and awakenings were so important in the early 1800s was so that those Europeans coming over to America could be, could be re-exposed yeah. to, um, to religion because they were coming from countries in Europe, especially France, that had had abolished religion. I right. mean, it was remarkable. So, and the reason they did it again is because Americans at the time understood the importance of of of, of religion as a means of promoting morality and, and happiness, right? And, and virtue. So uh, that's those are the those are the ingredients of good citizenship. Right. Yeah. We got to so, have uh, individuals in America need to be uh, good moral agents uh, and police ourselves. Otherwise, we're, we're going to get policed. That's uh, right. Um, yeah. You got it. You know, you mentioned uh, De Tocqueville saying that one of the real um, strengths of America is these de- developing these voluntary uh, associations and getting stuff done. Because you know why? Because we're free to lead, mm-hmm. right? And I mean, that's what F three teaches, right? When we virtually we're free to lead. You see a problem, let's do something about it, right? Don't rely on. Um, the government or anybody else. So, you know, F3s, yeah. the principles of F3 and what we're trying and trying to do with F3 is, is just that, right? Uh, the unleashing. Great of the parallel. Yeah, yeah. 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 So when in our group, uh, again, I think it's like this in a lot of groups, when somebody says, why don't we try this? Let's do this. Mm-hmm. The response is, well, make it happen. 
Yep. Yep. Right. And, uh, and that's what, that's what Tocqueville is saying. Uh, I think, right. When somebody in the local community says, you know, we need to fix this road or whatever it was, right. We need a library. Somebody says, let's make it happen. Uh, and then the leaders will step up and, um, and, and make it happen. So yeah, yeah great parallel. Yeah. All right. So never thought I would apply Tocqueville to F three. This is fantastic. <laughs> <laughs> I'm learning a lot. <laughs> uh, you know, well, you're welcome, That's brother. <laughs> <laughs> I'll use it in my classes. Yeah, yeah. Um, that, that's cool. It's really neat, man. Um, you guys are all serious, and meanwhile, I'm over here like I want to get back to the historical fiction and like, what do y'all think about the Da Vinci Code? Right? <laughs> <laughs> Probably more fiction than yeah. history. Well, the, 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 book, the book I'm reading right now is book. It's entertaining. One. Right. Yeah. Uh, the book I'm reading right it's now is book one out of nine books on the, the, it's called the echo saga. It's a fantasy, you know, elves and swords and elves, elves yeah. and swords. Well, there's, yeah. There's, okay. Like, nobody has guns yet. You know, so I'm not going to add that one to my Amazon <laughs> list. Fantasy novel. Uh, yeah, it's not not all. It's not all really, you know. Yeah, highfalutin stuff. All right. So, um, are you going to get to the two questions? I think so. Don't you think I should? I, it's by probably now? about time. All right. Yeah. All right. Last two questions, brother. I always say that, and I always come up with another one. But um, first one is, and I think I know what you're going to say. But the first one is, if you had to pick somebody, past, present, or future, that you say would be like an inspiration, uh, like a hero, somebody you look up to, uh, who would that be? Yeah, clearly my dad. Yeah. Um, again, just setting the example, uh, of working hard every day. And I remember him coming home sore and tired and it didn't, it didn't slow him down. He'd, he'd get up the next day and do the same thing over again. And he always did it, uh, to, you know, I know in his heart, what he wanted more than anything was for his children to grow up and, and have opportunities that he, he didn't have growing up. Um, he, he was from a relatively, you know, humble background uh, and he made his own opportunities, took advantage of opportunities in life, but he made his own, he made his own way and he made his own reputation and, um, and did a lot of good for us. And uh, I love him so much for everything he's done. So that's awesome. Make sure he listens to this podcast. That's right. Yeah. Yeah. Well, he's not here right now, so I'll be sure to send him a link. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm sure he's, I'm sure he's already extremely proud of you. So that's cool. All right. Last question. This is your chance to speak to the men of America, Doctor Professor Misfire. What's your <laughs> message for the men of America? Yeah, um, I, I I tried to bring this out in the essay, which you guys which led us to this conversation, and that is, um, if you if you're starting to do this, if you've decided that you want to make changes in your life. Uh, that starts with physical changes, right? You have to get your health in order. Um, but the mistake I think I made going into it was thinking that I had to do a lot all at once to catch up with guys. In fact, um, the excuse I was giving was I was too busy to, to go. But um, I think what I really wanted to do the, was say to myself, I, I need to get in shape first. Yeah, I want to be ready to hit the ground running so that when I start going regularly, I can keep up with guys. I think if we need to, you know, if you're really trying to make a change in your life, get started. Don't put it off. Just start. Because, again, you will be around a group of guys who are there to support you. Um, don't judge yourself. Don't gauge yourself by what others do. I had to get over that initially, but the guys were so supportive. Uh, if I gauged myself, if I judged how I was doing uh, by what other guys were doing, I, I probably would have stopped going. 
Um, but there was never any judgment and everybody kept saying, do what you can do. There were times, by the way, guys, when I started, um, I mentioned this in the, in the, in the essay that I wrote, I, I almost heaved or I heaved or almost heaved every workout for about the first month or so. Right. Yeah, yeah. And so I would go and I would, I would, I would get to that point and then I would stop and it was really slow going, but little by little over time, I kept going and kept going. It's one workout at a time. You just have to take it by littles. That's a saying from Abraham Lincoln. Yeah. Take things by littles, um, one step at a time. And, and what I found again was um, even when I couldn't keep up, even when I was laying there like a slug uh, at the beginning, you know, just trying to catch my breath for 10 minutes, I was still happy to be around these guys. And that's what kept me coming back. So what started with, a desire to um, improve my life in terms of my physical health very quickly um, became a desire to, to be around men and especially to be around good men. And even when I couldn't do the things they were doing, I was just happy to be there. Yeah. Well, so well said. I, I'm extraordinarily grateful for that. Yeah. Like, we, we need to take that little audio snippet and have it out there for, for guys that are continuing to get aged and won't come. Right. Because they feel like you said, yeah. Yeah, I need to get in shape first, right? And and what do we say in the excuses? You don't you don't get drunk before you go to the bar, right? Uh, I think right. It's, 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 I used to. <laughs> and uh, <laughs> and then yeah, and then yeah. just just keep coming back. Like, don't be embarrassed because of your yeah. fitness. Don't think that you got to be you know one of the front runners right off the bat. Like, just just keep showing up. You know, yeah. each week and making yeah. a little bit of progress each each week. But yeah, your your words are great. Yes. It'd be it, like I said, it'd be great to have that little snippet to share with guys that are thinking about coming coming up with excuses you know i think it could encourage them to come out for that first time or the guys that come that one time and they are embarrassed right and yeah. their pride gets in the way with coming back yeah uh so, yeah. so that's thanks. what i would say too yeah, i mean thanks good words that excuse the excuse was i am not ready for this you are ready right now as you are to start f3 yes you're ready it's what Whatever your condition is right now. We're designed to move, to do those, you know, the kinds yep. of things that we do. Yeah. That's the way God built us. So do yeah, it. that's right. We're open to can all I, can I, Yeah, go ahead. Yeah, of course. Of course. And can I just say, uh, just one other thing to throw out there. The other reason I'm so grateful, I'm so grateful for this opportunity and for the guys and everything they do for me, because I'm my, my life is in a much better place now as a result. But I'm so grateful, and I'm trying not to tear up even as I think of this, um, I, my two of my son-in-laws come out and work out now awesome. and they've been going for about six months and my, I have a 13 year old grandson. He's my oldest grandchild. And I, I probably, I may not let him listen to this cause I don't want to embarrass him too much, uh, as a 13 year old boy, but he's been coming out for about six months now too. And the effect on him has been massive yeah. just in terms of him being around men, yes. real men yep. who treat each other with respect, encourage each other, uh, are there, they've got their backs, they've got their sixes, and they push each other to get better. He, I have seen in six months a, a transformation in him that means more to me than any good that I myself have gotten out of F3, which, again, I'm very grateful for. But he is he is just just a totally different person as a result of being, being around real real men. So, awesome. yeah. And I'm so grateful for that. Yeah, praise God. That is awesome. I mean, for a, a young boy to be entering into manhood, to be accepted into a company of men, that's what we used to do in the cultures in the past and some other places maybe. But in America, we've kind of lost that a little bit. Yeah. And yeah, holy cow, I could right. do, I could do another whole episode talking about that. <laughs> but um, but that is awesome, yeah. man. I and, and, and out there, you know, in the Nantan channel in the nation, 
every once in a while, somebody about twice a year, maybe somebody brings up the question about, you know, do you have an age cut off and blah, blah, blah. And some guys do, and I get it. They want to keep the circle of trust, something that uh, other men would feel comfortable sharing some tough stuff with when they might not share it. If there's a 10 year old there or, or something like that. But I'm right. I'm all about helping the the, the boys uh, to to grow into manhood and stuff like that, and so I just think that's awesome. Uh, yeah. I'm, I'm, that's that's that story. Uh, everyone needs to listen to that out mm-hmm. there. You know, you know, you take it into consideration. Yes, absolutely. Yeah. And that that's a, that's big time for that boy. Yep. Thanks for sharing that. Yeah. Yeah, and to have his dad and his grandfather there. Whew. Good stuff. Yep. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. All right. So all of you men out there, listen. This stuff is important. It's really important because, you know, F3 is so brilliant. I mean, Dread, God bless him. I, I keep coming back to it, but it's just so brilliant, right? It's so simple, and it's the, the, the genius things are simple. Get out and move. Do it in the gloom. Do it with your brothers, and and all of a sudden, you are free to lead. And boy, what, what, free to lead. That's what made America, one of the things that makes America great. Yeah, you, know, you want to be a virtuous leader? You know, come out to F3, and we're going to help you do that. That's that's great stuff. And you know what, Dial-Up? I think we just talked to another high-impact man. We absolutely did, yeah. Another, just another another blessing to sit here and, and uh, to have this discussion with uh, with you, Miss Fire. So thanks for coming on, brother. My pleasure. Loved it. Yeah. God bless you guys. Keep you up too. Good I mean, work. You, you are a high-impact man, uh, brother, and, and uh, just keep doing what you're doing because you're doing great stuff. You are teaching uh, future leaders of our country in, in your job, in your mammon. I mean that is a serious responsibility, and uh, we, it's so encouraging. No, we got a guy like you out there doing that. I appreciate that. Thank you, guys. I'm I'm blessed to be able to do it. So. Next time I see athletes from Ashland University at some of these cross country and track meets, I'm going to ask them if they're if they've taken your class. Yeah, I hope they I hope they do. Both. I hope they I hope they, uh, hope they say yes, and uh, <laughs> that it was a. That's the worst class. thing they've ever done. Yeah, I, won't, I won't ask them that. I'll just ask them if they took your class. Okay. Yeah. yeah. And if not, encourage them to take one. So. You know Professor Mis- Misfire? Yeah. <laughs> Have you been to Gettysburg? Have you been to Independence Hall? All right, man. Well, God bless you. Go and go enjoy your time with your folks down there in South Carolina. Will do. Will do. Take care, guys. Thank right. you. See, See you, buddy. Bro. All right. Take care. Thank you for listening to this week's episode. I would like to thank our guests for joining us and sharing their story of becoming a high-impact man. More information and resources can be found at highimpactman.com. If you like this podcast, please consider following us on our social media pages or email us at him at highimpactman.com. That is H-I-M at highimpactman.com. The High Impact Man podcast has a new episode every week. And you can find them on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and Google Podcast platforms. Have a great week, everyone.